This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back again to Star Wars The Saga Continues, where we're talking about another episode of Ahsoka, episode seven. uh, What was episode seven called? Um, Dreams and Madness. (laughs) Dreams and Madness. Um... And uh, yeah, just excited to get to talk about another episode of the show. We've also got some new stuff to cover. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? It's going good, Kyle. But I have to admit, I'm a little bummed that we are now just one episode to go for Ahsoka after this week. It went by so quick, but it's been not only fun just obviously watching the series, but getting to talk about it every week has been a blast. So as excited I am as to talk about this episode tonight, it is kind of sad to think that there's just one more left because what a ride it's been. Yeah, man, it's been crazy. It's crazy that we've seen this much of the show already and that there's only one episode left and I'm really excited for the finale and to get to see how things wrap up. And at the same time, I'm kind of bummed that it's going to be over already because I've been really enjoying the ride. But before we uh, jump into the episode, let's talk some news. Um, We've got some good news and some bad news um, to cover in terms of recent Star Wars stuff and stuff affecting Star Wars shows and all the stuff that we're talking about. Um, First, the the good news that I'm sure everybody's probably heard by now is that the writer's strike has come to an end. Um, The writers and the the AMPTP were able to come to an agreement on a new contract. Everybody seems happy with it and pleasantly surprised by how much they were able to get of the stuff they were asking for. So um, that's very good news. Obviously, the SAG after strike is still going on. Um, We don't know how much longer that'll be going. They did say that uh, negotiations on that are supposed to reopen next week. Um, So that strike is still going on as of now. Um, and just because that one hasn't been going on as long and it seems like they were still kind of farther apart on a deal and hadn't really had much movement on negotiations, I wouldn't necessarily expect that strike to end this week just because they're going to start negotiations again. 
Um, so that might still go on a little bit longer. But at the same time, it does kind of seem like we're at this point where both strikes were going on long enough that everybody was kind of getting to the point of like, all right, let's get this thing over with and get, you know, Hollywood back to work and get everything moving again. So, um, you know, exciting news that uh, that the writer's strike is over. Exciting news that they're at least going to get back to negotiations again on the uh, the actor's strike. So hopefully we'll get this stuff all resolved sooner than later and we can get back to uh you know, making these movies and shows that we love to talk about and finally getting to hear from some of the actors and the people involved that I'm sure are, uh, you know, itching to get to share their excitement for this stuff and talk about these projects. So um, definitely a win in that regard. Yeah, definitely some good news to get this week. And even better that it was a great deal for the writers and they were getting what they were asking for and both, you know, compensation and even some protection against the coming AI threat <laughs> to the creative yeah those in the creative field. So that was great to see. So um, one down and hopefully just one more to go to get um, everything kind of back up and running again, which would be nice to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, of course, we still have our disclaimer at the beginning of the episode that mentions both the writers and actors strike. I'm probably not going to go ahead and change that and record a new one just for the actors strike. Um, hopefully they get it done soon enough that it won't make that big of a difference. But you know what's what. Um, but anyway, the the bad news uh, that has been going around today, this is not any like official announcement or anything, but if you are a Star Wars gaming fan, and particularly a KOTOR fan like I am, um, and you're looking forward to the Knights of the Old Republic remake, well, I mean, we've known for a while that, you know, there was some development trouble going on there. Um, but uh, just as of today, people have been reporting online that the like the official announcement teaser trailer that they put out for that has now been uh, maybe not taken down off the internet, but like marked private on YouTube and stuff. So like it's no longer publicly available. Um, and also like Sony has deleted past tweets that were made about that game, like announcing, uh, you know, from back when they first announced it and stuff. So um, this is not a good sign. Um, and I mean, to, to maybe try to put kind of a positive spin on it because we knew that some of the issues going on, like, so it, when the game was first announced, it was being developed by uh, Aspire was the studio working on it. Um, and, you know, Aspire put this team together. They were working on the game. They showed their first build of it to Sony and Lucasfilm. And apparently they weren't happy with it uh, to the extent that they took the game away from Aspire and gave it to this other studio called Saber Interactive that's owned by the same parent company as Aspire. Um, and so there hasn't really been much update on it since then. But as far as we know, like Saber Interactive has kind of quietly been still working on it and maybe reworking some things or starting over from scratch. Like, we don't know. Um, but the last we heard was that it was still in development. Um, you know, I think a few months ago there was a, a stockholder meeting or something for um, the Embracer Group, which is the parent company, and they mentioned that that game was still happening. So, um, I mean, I, I think the best case scenario here is that maybe they are making good progress on it. And the reason that they're taking down the old announcements and teaser trailers and stuff is that maybe they're going to sort of relaunch it and re-announce it as this new thing Um that is now being developed by Saber Interactive because there was never like an official announcement that that studio was now taking over this game. So um, again, maybe it's going to be kind of like a fresh new announcement of 
oh, the revamped, you know, Knights of the Old Republic remake coming from Saber Interactive, or maybe they're making it differently enough that it warranted, you know, its whole new own announcement trailer or something. Um, and if that's the case, then maybe it's coming soon. And maybe that's why they, they're taking this stuff down now. So um, that's the, you know, really wishful thinking, kind of optimistic <laughs> best case scenario way to look at this. I think the the worst case scenario and unfortunately probably the more likely scenario is that the game is not doing well um is probably not going to be released anytime soon if ever and they're just kind of quietly trying to sweep it under the rug um which would be a huge disappointment um you know the fact that you know kotor has been um one of everybody's favorite star Wars games. And frankly, one of the best video games of all time for the past 20 years. Um, and that we still haven't gotten any kind of, you know, remake or even like an HD remaster or something like that. You would think that somebody could get it together enough to, to make that happen. But um, yeah, I don't know. I hope it still happens at some point, but it seems like at least as of right now, that probably won't be happening anytime soon. That would be a major bummer if it never sees the light of day <laughs> because yeah, it's just something that's we've all been wanting for such a long time. It just seems like such a no brainer. As you said, you think some developer studio would be able to get this done, but it sucks that the one they announced that it's been nothing but problems and bad news getting reported about it. But yeah, it, it's funny though, because we were just talking about it before we started recording how I saw a tweet that you posted about, I thought, Oh, there's a, like a new trailer for it got leaked or some new information came out, but it got deleted because it wasn't supposed to come out yet. But then you told me, no, it's actually the original trailer, an original post. I'm like, oh, that's that's definitely not good. <laughs> so um, yeah, not good signs for the game, but hopefully it's something that can get worked out or if not, not to have it completely just be canceled and gone and just off the table. They just have to be more patient. So Hopefully that's the case because it's a game that deserves to be redone for this new generation of consoles or maybe it'll be further down. Maybe it'll be on the PlayStation 6 or whatever the next Xbox is called. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to start planning for the 30th anniversary of Battle Republic Republic to see our full remake finally see the light of day. But um, yeah, I was just kind of bummed when you told me that, that that stuff that was originally posted got deleted or put to private because that you rarely see that happen. Uh, but yeah, for any kind of game and development by a developer or studio. So it's definitely makes you uh, raise an eyebrow or just have some cause for some concern about it. So we'll see if we ever get any information on it, but not looking too good right now. Yeah. Now, I mean, to try to be optimistic about it again, you know, remember when Lucasfilm just earlier this year put out sort of their big timeline um, sort of delineating all yeah. the different like eras of star wars content and you know knights of the old republic or not knights but the old republic was included on that um and then just recently there was sort of a, a new version of that too that popped up somewhere i think maybe it was like on starwars.com um where they had all of those eras listed and there was like a specific description for the old republic timeline and it was like there weren't even descriptions given for all of the other eras um like, I think maybe 
you know, like the uh, the Dawn of the Jedi era and the new, like the New Jedi Order era, like didn't have descriptions yet, but they had one for the Old Republic, and that kind of had people being like, oh, you know, are they announcing something soon for that? And so, um, again, you know, I realize this is wishful thinking here. But like maybe that could lend more credence to the idea that maybe they are going to announce something soon, either related to the game or maybe, you know, maybe they're moving away from the game and more towards retelling, you know, some of that either the, the original story or just other stories in that era um, through a movie or a series or something like that. So um I think if anything is certain, it's that Lucasfilm realizes the popularity of, um, you know, the characters and the stories and stuff from that time period um, and realizes, you know, how much they could cash in on that and how much fans would love to see that. So I'm sure we'll get some kind of Old Republic content at some point, I, again, especially with them going out of their way to include that in their big Star Wars content timeline that they just revealed this year. Um it's like something's happening there eventually. You know, we don't know what it is. We don't know when it is, whether it's the, the game remake or something else um, or that plus more stuff. But I, you know, I, I have to believe at least we haven't seen the end of that era and maybe of some of those characters and stuff. But as for a proper, you know, modern remake of the game itself, who knows if we're ever, we'll ever get that at this point. But I'm going to still keep crossing my fingers and hope that we get it at some point. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'd probably say what's more likely is what you were just talking about, <laughs> kind of doing stories in that era, whether it is a movie or a TV show rather than just the game right now. And I don't know, I mean, as much as I would love, as I just said, to have a remake of Knights of the Old Republic, part of me also thinks, too, if they wanted to retell that the canon version of that story in a movie or TV show, I, I wouldn't mind that either. That would be really cool to see. But at the same time, just if we don't ever get that remake of the game that would kind of always be what kind of thing that would bug you a bit as a fan just like it was announced and it was supposed to come and it never did that will always be a disappointment um, if we ever don't get it but at the same time if they want to tell that story again in a different medium we, we still got the original game but so we'll see what happens but as you said i think it is definitely clear that they want to tell stories in that era of the old republic and hopefully that a version of that story from the original game gets told uh, down the line in this new canon. Yeah, yeah we, we can only hope. Um, and like I said, I, I think it's just safe to assume that we'll get something at some point, but we'll have to wait and see when that is. Um, but, you know, I mean, at least we've got some other good Star Wars video game stuff coming in the meantime. You know, we've got Outlaws coming next year. Um, there's, you know, several other games in various stages of development that we've heard about. Um, Cameron Monaghan just recently confirmed that there is a third Star Wars Jedi game in development, um, which we kind of knew that, you know, they were going to be making a trilogy and it still has yet to be like officially announced, but to hear it straight from him that, you know, they are working on a third game is cool to hear. Um, although the, uh, the guy who is the director, like the project director on the first two games, uh, Stig Asmussen, um, apparently has left respawn and is not going to be working on the third game. So I was a little disappointed to hear that because I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of interviews with him and stuff and uh, I think, you know, he did a great job leading the team on the first two games. So I hope that's not bad news for the third game. Um, I know they have a lot of other capable creative people on the team that have, you know, 
done a lot of work on the first two that I'm sure could step up and lead the third one. But um, I hope that it doesn't end up suffering in his absence. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm sure that's still in early stages right now. So it'll probably still be another like three or four years until we get that game. But I'm obviously very much excited for that. Yeah, that's a bummer that I found out that he left. He was just, it just stinks that someone who was such a big creative force in those first two games is going to get a chance to kind of complete the story if it was planned for a trilogy. So that, that was kind of bummer, bummer to hear when we found that out. Yeah, well, and the thing that has me a little bit worried too, like I get that video games are a big commitment and that, you know, working on these first two games was probably a good, you know, eight years or so of his life. And I can certainly understand the desire to, just move on to other creative pursuits and stuff. But at the same time, he seemed really invested in it. And like, he really enjoyed, you know, those games and, and was passionate about the story and the characters and stuff. And I think he was the one that was, you know, sort of uh, set on like, you know, we want to make this a trilogy and finish out the story with these characters and stuff. And so um, I hope that there wasn't some sort of issues behind the scenes, whether it be, you know, conflicts with, you know, with executives at EA or with Lucasfilm or within the team or whatever that maybe drove him away and made him not want to stick around for the third game. Um, I hope it really was just a case of like, hey, you know what, I, I put in my time here and now I'm ready to move on to something else. And I hope there's not, um, you know, trouble behind the scenes that he wanted to get away from that could also, you know, spell trouble for the game itself in the long run. So, yeah. Any creative differences type scenarios, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Direction of the third game needed to go or he wanted to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, still hope for the best for that game. And I'm still really excited to play it whenever we do get that. Um, so, yeah, you know, all, all this stuff is, is far off on the horizon. But what we've got for right now is another episode of Ahsoka to talk about and a finale to look forward to next week. Um, so let's just, uh, you know, dive right into this episode and talk about it um, with, uh, you know, this episode, Dreams and Madness, which was not my favorite episode of the season, but it was a fun one. And uh, I just rewatched it before we recorded today. I think I liked it more the second time. Um, and, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and get my complaints out of the way right off the bat before we even start jumping into the, the specific story stuff, because I think this was one of those episodes where the title got my hopes up really high. Because uh, that quote, um, dreams and madness, you know, came directly from Balin in the last episode where he said, yep. like he tells Shin, like uh, he's talking about the planet um, Peridia. He says, you know, this is a land of dreams and madness. And is talking about how it comes from children's stories and stuff. And then starts talking about the power that he's looking for and everything. And so right from the get go, I was like, OK, this is the episode where we're finding out Balin's motivations. We're going to see this power that he's after and all this kind of stuff. And then what followed was mostly like 40 minutes of just kind of fun action sequences and Ahsoka getting reunited with Sabine and Ezra and Thrawn doing manipulative Thrawn stuff. Um, but it wasn't like it was just kind of a, a fast paced, like fun, action-y type episode. Um, but like I was kind of hoping for more story and plot and big reveals and stuff. Um I think just coming off the heels of the last two episodes that were both very kind of story heavy. Um, and then again, like I said, the, the title just really got my hopes up. And so the first time I watched it, like by the time we got to the end, I was like, oh, that was it. Like, I just kind of was hoping for more. Um, but then watching the second time and just, in, you know, kind of 
enjoying it for what it was and uh, not having those expectations in the way. Um, it's a really fun episode, just not necessarily a big, uh, you know, not not like a big shaking revelations type episode story wise um, and still leaving us with a lot of unanswered questions and stuff that we're still waiting to see in the finale. But, uh, you know, it was a fun, fun episode on its own and a fun lead up to what I'm sure is still going to be a great episode next week. Yeah, I know what you mean, because when I saw that title as well, that got me excited for <laughs> the exact same reasons. Okay, this is going to be the Balin focus episode where we really learn what he's after and that power he seeks, the beginning, as he put it. But it wasn't to be, I guess, dreams and madness is just kind of referring to all just everything surrounding the planet that takes place on the planet, since Balin referred to it as such in the previous episode. But, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's not going to go down as probably the greatest episode of the series, but at the same time, I still think it's a really great episode. It's just almost like the bar has been set so high for this series, especially the last three. I mean, we were just on such a tremendous run right there with the uh, episodes four or five and six. And this one just, you know, was a step below it, but still just so much to enjoy about it with the action and the character interactions that we got. All of it was just great. So it was light on, like you said, plot driven, uh, stuff to move the story forward and get some reveals about uh, some of the big things that they kind of been stringing us along a little bit, and especially uh, with Balin and his goal. So uh, I just think we're just also anxious to find out <laughs> what it is he's after and just to learn what that is and what it can mean just for the saga in general. So I think we're just all anxious to really see what that is. And hopefully we're not setting up ourselves for disappointment if whether it is something that um, isn't quite as big as we're hoping, or if it doesn't get revealed just yet, I I think we will find out in the next season. But a part of me is also wondering, is Dave just laying the seeds here for something bigger later on in another story that he's going to tell? I don't know, but um, we'll find out next week. Uh, because when it ended, it was like, it, I was thinking at first, hmm, like, is the finale going to be, one of those things where there's they got to wrap all the stuff up and there's not going to be enough time to cover everything. But when I thought about it, it was like, you know what? Not really, because the other big thing is just Thrawn trying to get off Peridia into the main galaxy. And they're already establishing that he's really close. And again, I don't know for sure, but I'm just really leaning towards that he's going to be getting off the planet next episode or in, into our galaxy. Because I don't know if you've, paid attention or noticed this from the very first trailer where we just saw the back of Thrawn and what's looking out uh, from the ship that he's in. I forget mm -hmm. the name of the hyperspace ring, but if you look out in the exterior of it, it does look like it's Setos that is out there. And the, like the, hmm. the sky color looks at that same way Setos was. And um, if I remember right, I got to watch it again, but I noticed that after Kind of, we got Thrawn's reveal, and just I kind of go back and watch some of the trailers just to see everything that we've gotten so far. When I saw that shot again, I noticed that and that looks more like Setos than it does Peridia. So that could be something where he gets back into our galaxy, and that's a shot from there when he's looking out. Because um, I imagine they're going to, once they travel through hyperspace out of Peridia, they're going to go back to Setos. So um, I really, I'm like 90% sure <laughs> he's going to get out of there. But if that's not going to be the main focus of the finale, um, I'm really hoping then the really crux of it is going to be what Balin's after. And that kind of, um, I was going to speculate, too, how I've, 
I mean, we talked about this before where we're not 100% sure that Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine are going to get off uh, Peridia. And maybe what Balin is after kind of throws a wrench in them stopping Thrawn and making their way off of the planet too. So I'm kind of thinking like they might not even have a confrontation with Thrawn in the finale where this is going to be focused on Balin and Shin too, where Thrawn's just going to kind of have an easy time getting off the planet. And maybe we'll get something like how you were, uh, or I can't remember what episode we were talking about this, but possibly kind of having an altercation or interaction with some of the new Republic fleet. And that's kind of who Thrawn, <laughs> we see Thrawn go up against in the finale where he makes it out pretty early and makes his present known to the new Republic and doesn't really have anything to do with Ahsoka, Sabine and Ezra. And they're just focused on Balin and uh, the power that he's after there. So that's kind of where my speculation is going on leading towards the finale and just kind of not being overly worried about them having to wrap up too much in the finale. Cause to me, it's really just two things Thrawn getting off, uh, Peridia, and then just dealing with what B- Balin's after, and kind of going into it knowing that not everything's going to be completely wrapped up. There's going to be some lingering threads that I know are going to get explored, whether it's in the upcoming movie or in maybe a future series or just other stories down the line. So I'm not worried about it being too rushed at the moment, but at the same time, I couldn't help but think when the episode was over, where it was like, especially with the title, like you mentioned, just that we had this episode to really focus and dive in to what Balin was after. And then maybe the finale would really be um, the conflict with Thrawn getting off the planet and our heroes trying to get off the planet and maybe make it all of them making it back to the main galaxy and just kind of dealing with the characters, realizing they got to. Uh, that Thrawn has returned and how they're going to deal with that. And plus the reunion with everybody, with Ezra, um, Sabine, with meeting back up with Zeb, Hera, and this Chopper, get the whole Ghost crew back together again. We might still get that. But um, I don't know, just still questions to be answered, of course, in the finale. But at the same time, uh, just like I said last week, all the confidence in the world that Dave Filoni is going to deliver on another finale. To quote Commander Cody again, when have I ever let you down? So <laughs> that's like my go-to when I think about Dave Filoni's finale because he has not let us down yet. That is true. Um, well, before I, I dive into all my takes on the speculation and stuff for what's going to happen next episode, let's go back to the beginning of this one because I kind of want to talk through the story and the, where things lead off. And then I also have plenty of ideas and speculations of like what's going to get resolved next week and what's not and where things might go. Yeah, um, sorry if I jumped way ahead there. With my oh, that's fine. It's but... just it, I'm, I was listening to you go off, and I'm like, man, like I've got responses to some of this stuff, but I was going to save it for the end. So, um, but that's all right. We can we can bookend the beginning and the end of the episode with some speculation. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this one was uh, it was fun to start off going back to Coruscant and uh, checking in on the New Republic and seeing. Hera on trial for disobeying orders and going off to help Ahsoka on CTOS and, um, you know, seeing her trial before this like new Republic uh, military tribunal or whatever you want to call it. Um, And of course you've got Senator Ziono there uh, really kind of being the, um, I don't know, the antagonist, the aggressor, you know, trying to get her court-martialed for disobeying orders. And I love how she was like, Talking about, you know, everything I did was to, uh, 
you know, protect the citizens of the new Republic. And he's like, Oh, I see. And you protected the citizens of the new Republic by disobeying orders. And she says, no, I protected the citizens of the new Republic by disobeying you Um, (laughs) and calling him out specifically with that. But um, she has the best comebacks for Ziono. She really does. Really does. Especially in that scene. Um, But uh, you know, and then Mon Mothma like trying to be, sympathetic to her cause and being like hey well at least we know that like morgan elsbeth was up to something but um you know they really just don't want to believe that uh sort of the imminent threat of thrawn's return and the imperial remnant and all this stuff um is as big of a threat as hera believes it is i mean they even uh at one point carson tiva comes in to support her and he references the conflict on mandalore with moff gideon and is like hey this is evidence that you know, the Imperial remnants are still active, but Ziono is like, yeah, but, you know, that just reinforces my point that Gideon was just a warlord acting on his own. And, you know, there's no cohesion. There's no like unified Imperial front. And Hera's whole thing is like, yeah, but there will be when Thrawn comes back. Um, and it's funny, Tim, you'll appreciate this. I don't know if you got the, if you, if you had the same thought, but, um, to me, it reminded me very much of the council, like the Citadel Council in the Mass Effect series. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's a good where, call. <laughs> you know, the, denying the threat of the Reapers returning. And uh, even when there is a Reaper, they're like, oh, yeah, it was just one. Like, we don't need to worry about the rest of them. Like, it's still not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be. So, um, yeah, very much, no, you know, this, I don't this council Hera... in general and specifically Tiona being, um, you know, the the typical like politicians that want to try to, you know, not believe this big threat and want to put on this front of peace and sort of make themselves look good by making it look like everything's all good and happy. And there's, you know, not this big threat that we need to worry about. But at the same time, you know, you understand people being weary of war after all these years of conflict with the empire and everything. But like, yeah, Hera is kind of the only one that's seeing the, the full reality of the situation right now. Yeah, just speaking to your Mass Effect comparison, like I don't see Hera though having to be left with a tough choice as far as letting that council die or not. Like it was a Mass Effect that that just kind of appointed your, your own uh, council at the end. But uh, yeah. that is a good comparison though. Now, like you mentioned, that there are a lot of similarities to that. But yeah, it's uh, funny. I just finished replaying uh, the first Mass Effect again too. I'm going all the way through the trilogy again right now, and I very begrudgingly saved the Council at the end just because, <laughs> like, there's that epic moment in Episode Three where you see the Destiny Ascension, uh, you know, amidst the whole like Allied fleet going to fight the Reapers. But anyway, we could do a whole other podcast on Mass Effect. That we could, yes. <laughs> But yeah, it was a cool way to open it up. Just again, just get more insight into how the New Republic is operating, even if it's not operating well <laughs> at this moment. Uh, but I mean, part of his thing is like, and did it because Zioto's kind of calling Hera's report, you know, fairy tales and children's stories, mentioning space whales. But some, the New Republic, there were some New Republic ships there that saw the Purgles for themselves too. You think they would have had that on their report too to kind of cooperating mm. with Hera's report as well, but maybe he's just kind of choosing to ignore that because he just really wants to remove Hera's rank um, just so badly for disobeying him. And he's kind of taking a, he's calling Hera out for making this a personal mission, but he kind of seems like he has a personal vendetta against Hera here after she yeah. disobeyed his orders. But um, yeah, so it was cool to get that insight to it. But then it was such a special treat to see who came and saved the day for Hera. 
none other than C3PO. And that was just a really cool moment uh, to have C3PO come in on on behalf of Leia, obviously. And again, it just sucks that um, you know we don't have Carrie Fisher here. If they were wanted to use her like they use Mark Hamill in the Mandalorian and use some of the de-aging technology here for that. But um just still kind of have cool to have that connection with 3PO making an entrance and Mon Mothma recognizing him right away because um even though he's there on the behalf of Princess Leia, you would think C3PO would have some clout just for himself too, being, you know, the rebellion would have have won without C3PO and R2D2. So the whole thing wouldn't have gotten started without C3PO and R2D2. So it's like, I hope C3PO just being a, a droid is recognized like pretty highly as amongst some of the higher officials. I know like, another negative for Ziodo, how he just, what does he call him? Some random droid or something to that effect? That yeah, he said, because so, C3PO comes in with, you know, a transmission from Leia, you know, sort of clearing Hera's actions. And he's like, you know, we can't admit evidence of this magnitude just from a mere droid or something yeah. like that and then and then of course chopper takes yeah. <laughs> offense to it and beeps angrily yeah that was great but no yeah just seeing c3po there uh, to kind of save the day it was just a nice treat uh, for a surprise cameo in this episode as well yeah that was cool and i had a feeling i had a feeling we were gonna see somebody show up during this scene um and i kind of had that feeling even you know just before this episode too like once they left once ahsoka and the whales left for peridia and hera was like i'm gonna have to go back to coruscant and answer for my actions and um they even mentioned uh leia like a couple episodes ago when carson is like oh you know senator organa says she can only cover for us for so long um and so i was like if we do see because i wasn't sure that we would even see hera again in this show but i was like if we do when we go back to coruscant i feel like we're gonna see somebody there show up to vouch for her since ahsoka can't whether that be leia whether it be zeb um i figured there was you know there would be some kind of uh you know nice surprise appearance in here um and it was kind of a nice unexpected surprise to have it be c3po um but to have him there speaking on behalf of Leia, like you said, it was it was kind of a nice way to almost have a Leia cameo with, like without actually having her there. Um, but for me, it we can get into this more later too. But like I know we've gone back and forth on like predicting, you know, whether the original trilogy characters are going to show up in the movie and how big of a role are they going to play and stuff. And even though this was sort of, you could almost call it an off-screen cameo for Leia here, you know, sending 3PO as her representative with this message. Um, but the fact that she is getting involved in all this and the fact that Thrawn is coming back to present a direct military threat to the safety of the New Republic and that Leia is the head of the Defense Council, we find out through this, um, you feel like she's got to play a role in that. Like... You know, I, I think, you know, this is just sort of a an initial tease of probably seeing more of her later down the line. Um, and I think with that, obviously, would come Han and Luke as well. And so for me, I was like, oh, OK, she's just sending 3PO for now. But, you know, this is not the last we're going to hear from Senator Organa. Yeah. Yeah, especially if Thrawn comes back, too. And uh, also Hera's dialogue at the very end, too, that foreboding as far as prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Again, I think it's just more credence that Thrawn is going to make it out of that galaxy in the finale. I, think I mean, was... he he definitely is. Like, again, Dave even said that, you know, his 
I think he even said that he, the movie was going to focus on a conflict between Thrawn and the New Republic, or even if he didn't mention Thrawn specifically, like, you know, dealing with the New Republic. I don't think, I don't think there's any way that Thrawn is still in, you know, still on Peridia by the end of the finale. And uh, we don't see him come back to this galaxy. Like, I think that's clearly what they're setting up here. Mm. Yeah, because if we're going to see Hera and any of the New Republic in the finale, I hope it's only because of Thrawn's return and like they discover that he's back and maybe there is like mm-hmm. a small battle that they that they face off against with each other because that would be one thing where I felt can maybe have too much going on in the finale or taking away precious time from the big stuff um, that they need to get to if the New Republic is focused again, but it's just kind of more of what we've gotten with uh, a trial or senators uh, going after Hera and just kind of her trying to defend herself. I hope this is the last bit we saw of that and it looks like that's the case since she um, did get parted here or she didn't get removed of her rank. So if they are going to show up again, hopefully it is because Thrawn makes his, his grand re-entrance into the galaxy. Uh, because, it, like I said, it would I'm afraid it would, that would take up uh, some of the time that's needed to be spent on the stuff with uh, hopefully uh, what Balin's after. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I think all the sort of politics stuff is resolved enough for now um, that I I hope if we do see anything with the New Republic next episode, it's just their reaction when Thrawn shows up, um, which I hope we'll see. But again, I'll I'll save that for the very end and, you know, what we might see going into next week. Also, speaking of fun cameos, though, too, also, um, I didn't even catch this at first because he doesn't talk at all, but Admiral Akbar was on that council, too. Yeah. I didn't um, realize that until the second episode or the second time I watched it. I'm ashamed to say. <laughs> because... Yeah. Like I didn't, I, I guess I watched it or realized it right after I watched it the first time. Cause people were posting memes about it and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it was like, I didn't catch that watching it for the first time. I just kind of maybe assumed, Oh, there's a, a Mon Calamari on the council or whatever. And it just didn't cross my mind that like, Oh wait, that's Akbar. Um but yeah, it was cool to see him in there. Also, I love when Hera says that line to uh, Ziona where she says, like, you know, no, I didn't disobey orders. I just disobeyed you. And then he kind of turns and gives him a, a look with his big, wide calamari eyes. It's just kind of <laughs> like, dang, bro, she got you. <laughs> yeah, and they resisted any it's a trap jokes or puns or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank- thankfully, unlike <laughs> the third episode of The Mandalorian. <laughs> Wait, when did they have... It's. Oh, I should have specified episode three of season three of The Mandalorian, where. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back to season th- episode three of season one. I was like, when was there even a Mon Calamari? Yeah. <laughs> My um, mistake. Yeah. No. No. I know which one you're talking about. But uh, yeah, fun to see him in there as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, overall, this was, uh, you know, just a good way to kick off the episode. Fun cameos, more, you know, sort of reinforcement of the idea of like, you know, we're seeing how the New Republic operates and seeing why they're flawed and doomed to fail, even though they're doing their best and they're trying to be the good guys. But, you know, they're just kind of repeating some of the same mistakes of the past. Um Or, you know, thinking that the past is in the past and we've defeated the bad guys and now we're just going to push full steam ahead and pretend like everything is sunshine and rainbows and, uh, you know, be oblivious to these big threats that are lurking that, uh, you know, still need to be dealt with. Um, Also, one thing I saw too, 
I don't know, Tim, did you ever finish watching uh, Star Wars Resistance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, it's I... been a couple of years, so my memory of it is going to be a little rusty. In well, I was I was kind of confused because I remember, obviously, you know, Kaz Ziono, the main character of that show, and uh, the senator being his dad. Um, and I could have sworn, I mean, I, I thought that his dad died on Hosnian Prime um, in, like, the season one finale um or at least i remember like that that being when he found out that um hosnian prime was destroyed and like maybe thinking that his dad was on hosnian prime or something like that and i don't know maybe it's revealed in season two like the part that i didn't get to because i never finished the second season that he's still alive or something like that um or maybe i'm just misremembering it but people were i saw people online after this saying like man if i could retcon one thing from the sequel trilogy it would be that you know i would wish that senator ziono just died on hosnian prime because he's so insufferable and he's such a jerk and whatever and i was like wait i thought he did die on hosnian prime but shows to I guess that just goes to show how much i remember star wars resistance well even as someone who did see all of resistance i not the same thing that he died on Hosnian <laughs> Prime because they definitely made you believe that he was on the planet when it blew. Because I remember Kaz's reaction when he found out that Hosnian Prime was destroyed, and he said, "Like, like, what's? No, my father was on the planet. That's where we're from." And I, but now because I saw some of those uh, reactions to it as well, and I thought, "Oh yeah, I think it it did get revealed later on that he was off world and wasn't on there when it blew." So. That does make sense now while I was seeing that because I was thinking the same thing as you. It was like, well, he kind of deserves what uh, happened to him on Osmium <laughs> Prime, but that is no longer the case now that we know that he did survive, actually. But yeah, I totally forgot about that as well. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, who knows if we'll ever catch up with him in the future, like in the, the new Ray movie or something like that and see um if anything happens to him in the future but um yeah it's been fun to just see uh you know kind of have like a good guy who's a bad guy you know somebody that's getting on the hero's bad side in this um and seeing some funny reactions to that um but anyway so then we go from coruscant back to uh ahsoka and hu yang in the mouth of the purgle um and before they get to Peridia, of course, we get this really cool sequence where Ahsoka is in the training room on the ship going through her lightsaber forms um, and playing a hologram recording of Anakin, like walking her through her training. And this is where we hear the line that we were like, hey, wait, that was still missing from the, the teaser uh, where he's talking about, you know, in this war, you will fight more than just droids. And it was cool to even get a uh, live action reference to Asajj Ventress for the first yeah, time. And he's talking really about Grievous cool. and he says like, you know, you Grievous, Ventress, Count Dooku, like, you know, you could run into any of them on the battlefield. And as your master, it's my job to make sure you're prepared. And um, it very much had similar vibes to that episode of Tales of the Jedi, um, where he's, training her and kind of pushing her hard but doing it you know because he cares and wants to make sure that she's prepared for anything and um he said you know as your master like i won't always be there and it's my job to you know make sure that you're prepared to defend yourself even if i'm not around to help you and you know something bad could happen or we could get separated or whatever um so it was just really cool to get a little bit more 
of Hayden as Anakin, see him in the Clone Wars armor again. Um, I mean, it wasn't as like emotional or impactful as, uh, you know, that fifth episode was. I mean, after all that, this just kind of felt like a little bit of extra icing on the cake. Um, but just, you know, cool to get to see that again. And just kind of a nice emotional touch to know that even after, you know, fighting him as Vader, um, that Ahsoka, you know, still kind of reverting to this like emotional comfort of her youth, like still trains to these hologram recordings of Anakin as she knew him. Um, and I love that, you know, who Yang walks in to kind of give her a status update and tell her that they're getting close to Peridia. And she's telling him that like, you know, Anakin made like 20 or so of these recordings for me back during the Clone Wars. And this was the last one. Um, and she says, you know, she says like he was a good master. And the way that she says it, it's almost like she's trying to convince herself, um, you know, like, again, knowing that he's he's also turned out to be Darth Vader and kind of reconciling all these conflicted things about him. Um, just trying to hold on to the good and remember that, you know, back when he was my master, like he did do a good job of teaching me and protecting me and um, still kind of cherishing that. So that was a very sweet emotional moment. This was so cool. I mean, to get, uh, like you said, it's great that those lines that we heard in the trailer just wasn't something that they used for the trailer. Like they maybe recorded it and just like, oh, we'll just use it for an upcoming TV spot. Um, but the fact that it was actually part of an episode and yeah, again, Dave Filoni doing something much better than what I was speculating on, <laughs> on last week's episode where I was talking about, well, Thrawn asked for all information and data on Ahsoka, who's her master. And I thought he'd be going through some maybe hollow videos from his Star Destroyer databanks that he still has from the Empire. And that's where we see a little hologram of Anakin in action, maybe, or with some dialogue, but no, this is. 10 times better than that. <laughs> we see Anakin again, training Ahsoka, giving her a lesson. Obviously it's from way back during the Clone Wars, but still being apl applicable to where she's at and what she's dealing with right now. It was just tons of great stuff to hear Hayden uh, deliver as Anakin again. And again, still kind of having that, showing that more fun side of Anakin where he tells her uh, to practice these moves or he goes, well, at least more than I did. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. He's like, remember these forms and practice them often. And then he kind of pauses and goes, or at least more than I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so good. But what I was thinking is that, well, we know that Ahsoka has watched these videos before because there was that sequence in Rebels where she was watching one of these training videos with Anakin with the lightsaber and Ezra mm -hmm. walks in and she was telling him about uh, what he was like. But I, for me, how I took it is that this is the first time she's watching one of these videos since she fought him on Malachor as Vader. I think after that, she probably couldn't bring herself to watch these. Or, but now after going through what she went through in the world between worlds and kind of having that acceptance and heeding that lesson that Annika taught her that like this was her first time revisiting these videos and like you mentioned at the end just you know realizing and accepting that yes he was a good master still that's not going to change despite him becoming Darth Vader he was still a good master so that's just some great stuff there and not only getting to see it but just I, I think what it means for a character and again just showing that growth from where she was at at the beginning of the series and what she went through in the world between worlds and now where she's at here um still 
using the wise knowledge that Anakin left her. And this is so cool of Anakin just to leave 20 of those videos for her. Again, I, I mm-hmm. doubt there's no other Jedi master that did that further Padawan in the order <laughs> during the Clone Wars during that. That's what made Anakin great. So yeah, just really cool to get that. It was cool to see, but um, also just, again, this I think does more for the character dynamic between Anakin and Ahsoka during this period and after what she went through in episode five in Shadow Warrior. Yeah, and I think you're right. That definitely could be the case and you could read it that way where like, um, I mean, they, you know, she doesn't reference like, oh, how many times she's watched these or how mm-hmm. long it's been sh- since she's watched any of them. But you can kind of read into that, that backstory of knowing like, oh, yeah, like the last time she saw him was as Vader. Um, and that maybe after that experience in the world between worlds and kind of reconciling with her past and with everything with him and kind of being able to put it behind her and move forward that, yeah, maybe this was the first time that she uh you know, went back and trained with one of these holograms again. Um, and I mean, you could also say, again, there's not really any indication one way or the other, but when she says this was the last one, it's like, maybe this is the first time she's watched it. And she kind of was saving that one. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's maybe kind of spaced them out over the years, or maybe she's just run through all of these 20 holograms, you know, however many times, um, but just the fact that, you know, she said it was the last one um, almost seemed to have some kind of added significance to it as well. But, um, yeah, really great stuff with, uh, you know, their dynamic there. And like you said, it's just, I mean, it's crazy to think all the stuff that we've seen these two characters go through, um, you know, over the past 15 years of seeing their relationship on screen and all the ups and downs and, you know, from Master and Apprentice to Twilight of the Apprentice um and to have her now be back at a point where um you know not only does she have fond memories of Anakin and she's trying to remind herself of that um but also to see her you know even as a grown adult like still learning from him and still you know like taking wisdom and guidance from his his teachings and stuff is just really cool to see yeah that's so well done I mean like you mentioned too everything that we've gotten in Shadow Warrior was just pitch perfect and couldn't be more satisfied with the return of Anakin in the series. But the fact that we got another moment with him, even if it was just a via hologram, yeah, just the cherry on top for <laughs> this great special moment that we got with uh, these two characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, of course, they get to Peridia. Um, and, you, I mean, you get this cool moment where, like, they come out of hyperspace, but, like, you're not really seeing it. You're still just kind of seeing their perspective from inside uh, the Purgle. Um, and, you know, of course, Hu Yang is like, you know, once we get there, like, we're still not going to have any idea, like, if we're in the right system or on the right planet. And Ahsoka seems to be, you know, again, still just very confident and like, hey, we'll go with the flow. We'll figure it out. We'll find the bad guys. And that's where um, Sabine's going to be. Um, but then they come out of hyperspace and, you know, the purgle starts, seems like it's kind of rocking and uneasy. And they're like, wait, something's going on. Um, so they fly the ship out of the purgle's mouth and you see that they've flown right into this minefield. Um, and that after Thrawn last episode said, you know, if a purgle approaches, destroy it with prejudice. And I was thinking, okay, maybe, you know, they're under fire from the eye of Scion or whatever, but no, the, you know, the Imperials have deployed this huge minefield all the way around the planet. And this was just a really cool sequence and just some really cool visual space stuff. Yep. <laughs> um, seeing Ahsoka's shuttle flying alongside a, a pod of Pergil as they're flying through this minefield and trying to dodge all these explosions. And uh, 
Much to our surprise, uh, we didn't lose any Pergil, so that was nice. Thank goodness, um, yes. <laughs> but they certainly seem to be, I don't know, injured at worst and maybe just highly annoyed and agitated at best. Um, but I love that, you know, the ship is trying to dodge all the mines and the explosions and stuff. And Hu Yang being the optimistic one for once is like, oh, well, at least we're getting cover from the Pergil. And then they immediately all start jumping to hyperspace. <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, you had to say something. But, you know, with Hu Yang usually being the, uh, the sort of nitpicky, you know, complaining one, um, him trying to finally like put an optimistic spin on things for once. And then it immediately goes bad. Uh, it was just kind of a funny twist, but um, yeah, I mean, it, again, nice to see that the Pergil made it out relatively unscathed um, and also kind of befitting them as just creatures that are going to, you know, follow their instincts. You know, they were like, hey, yeah, we'll we'll take you along to this galaxy that you're trying to get to. And as soon as they get there and they're in danger, it's like, all right, bye, we're out. Like, you know, we have no idea where they went or if they'll be back or if we'll ever see him again. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll come back to, uh, Peridia at some point, just cause they said it was, you know, an important part of their like migration path. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, what this means for the next episode and how Ahsoka and Sabine and Ezra are going to get back home. Like, I'm not necessarily expecting the Purgle to come back for them. Um, yeah, this could be the reason why they might be stranded there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but they got them there at least. And then we got this really cool sequence and then, um, of course, uh, you know, they send out uh, fighters to pursue them from the Eye of Scion and Ahsoka, you know, dives down into the ring around the planet of, you know, just this, it's like the asteroid field chase from the Empire Strikes Back or the one with uh, Obi-Wan and Jango from Attack of the Clones. But this time it's through an asteroid field of whale bones floating in space. And it was just, again, just a really cool uh, visual sequence and just something new and cool that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, this series is just killing it with space battles. I mean, between this one and the one we got in episode three, Time to Fly, I mean, it's just some of the most exciting space sequences we've got in Star Wars and ones that are different too. And that's what uh, Star Wars is at its best is giving you that excitement, but yet doing it in a totally new way. Like you mentioned with Ahsoka flying off against those fighters in the that valley of just the Pergil's bones. It just made for such a unique visual uh, to see. But before that, yeah, it was just really, I mean, I was going to say it was just really cool. Visually, it looked cool, but it wasn't cool for the Pergil. Just those mines exploding on them. And then, but uh, them trying to make it out and do what they can to avoid them until they eventually go to hyperspace. But it was just made for such an exciting sequence. But then also, too, going back to Ahsoka and Hu, Hu Yang, again, this is another moment that's just showing the change in Ahsoka going back to kind of how we remembered her during the Clone Wars and then Rebel, just that more fun, playful side to her too, where she's just having some fun with Hugh Wing, where he was talking about uh, who knows if we're in the same galaxy, who knows if we're in the same system or the same planet. And then Ahsoka's all, well, you should have said something. And he's all, I did say <laughs> something. And then she just looks at him smiling, like, yeah, I was messing with him, which is great stuff leading up to a very exciting sequence. That was just, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. This, again, this series is just really um, doing an outstanding job with the space battles. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the battles, but also just, you know, the the visual sequences in general, of like the spaceships and the the environments and you know just i love that we're seeing so much stuff that we haven't seen before exactly um, yeah. you know there's certainly and 
obviously I love Mando and, and Book of Boba Fett and all that stuff, but like you're not getting any complaints from people on this series about, oh, why is it set on Tatooine again? Um, it's like, no, we're getting, you know, ancient Dathomirian homeworlds and far off galaxies and planets surrounded with pergil bones and like new enemy designs and new spaceship designs and all kinds of cool stuff. So I just love it. Yeah, and to be fair, Mando season three has some great space combat or just aerial battles too. In the premiere episode, where yeah, fighting against the pirates in the asteroid field, but then, um, and then the, the pirate episode exactly. where he's fighting the whole pirate fleet and everything. Yeah. So, and even yeah, the beginning and I feel of the like third even... episode too, where they're chasing down the Tie Fighters were chasing down him and Bo-Katan. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I would even say for me, maybe some of like just in terms of like the space combat um i think that stuff was better i mean there hasn't been anything in ahsoka yet so far that i feel like has really been thrilling from sort of like a space combat perspective but there's just been like some fun chase sequences with some fun visuals and um really you know it's less less clone wars less like revenge of the sith opening battle type stuff and more the type of stuff that's like um the millennium falcon escaping the tie fighters as you escape from the mm -hmm. death star in a new hope type stuff like i feel like that's kind of more the vibe that they've been going for um especially in that third episode i mean there were some shots that were like lifted right out of that um and again it's been fun for just some of these you know these kind of more chase sequences and pursuits and stuff but i am very much looking forward to and I don't know if we'll see it in the finale or if we're going to have to wait till the movie, but seeing a full scale space battle with Thrawn um, yeah, or even even be. even before a full on like fleet versus fleet battle, like just seeing some TIE fighters, like seeing Thrawn even, you know, directing like a squadron of ships or something like that is just going to be really cool. Um, but yeah, all the the space action, the chase sequences, the um, just the ships in general have been, you know, fantastic. So um yeah all this stuff you know just like i said visually and um just in terms of sort of the the pacing and the action and stuff like everything here was on point yeah it's just such a great way to kick off the episode um but then you know so eventually um they break off the pursuit ahsoka's hiding in the asteroid field i forget the whole sequence of how everything happens um but you know they they kind of lay low in the asteroid field, and I think Thrawn is talking to Captain Enoch, and like they they recall the fighters for the time being. Yeah. Um, and he brings in the Night Sisters instead, um, and asks them to help locate uh, where Ahsoka is hiding. Um, and meanwhile, Ahsoka hiding in the asteroid field is like, oh, I'm going to try to locate Sabine, and uh, Huyang is trying to use the ship scanners and stuff, and having no luck locating her down on the planet. And Ahsoka's like, well, there's a different way I can do it. And she calls out to her through the Force. Um, and meanwhile, Sabine is down on the planet with Ezra. And they're, you know, riding along with uh, the Noti as they're kind of migrating in their pods and stuff. And they're talking and catching up on everything that Ezra's missed while he's been gone. And they talk about the, the Battle of Endor and the Empire falling and Palpatine supposedly being dead. Um as Sabine says, like, so they say. <laughs> or yeah, they yeah. Say. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, he's just like, man, I'm still processing all this stuff. I can't believe, you know, all this has been happened while I've been gone. And they talk about, you know, Hera leading the fleet and Zeb training recruits. So we at least get a mention of Zeb for the first time. Um, 
But then, you know, in the middle of this, like Sabine kind of stops and senses uh, Ahsoka, you know, reaching out to her. And it's funny because, like, obviously we know that Sabine's connection to the Force is very limited. Um, but she still is able to feel this. But to her, it's just like a familiar feeling. Like she yeah. doesn't even quite kind of recognize what it is. Or maybe she does recognize that it's Ahsoka, but like she thought Ahsoka died in the fight with Balin. And so she's like not 100% sure that it's her. Um, but Ahsoka is like, oh, that's where Sabine is. Like she is able to kind of hone in on it and know that like she's like, she's there. I see her. That's her. Um, but I love the way that you know, it just is kind of cutting back and forth between Ahsoka and Sabine. And, um, you know, you see Ahsoka concentrating, you see Sabine kind of feeling that presence. And it's like cutting back and forth between, you know, sort of increasingly tight close-ups on them. And then when Ahsoka is like, I've got her, then it cuts to a close-up of the Night Sister, And they're like, we got her. Like, you know, it's almost yeah. like they <laughs> intercepted their call through the force. And like, they used their Night Sister magic to sense ahsoka's sensing um and they're able to like pinpoint where they are in the asteroid field and then um you know the eye of scion starts firing its turbo lasers in there and they gotta you know make their escape again um but that was a really cool sequence like just seeing i mean seeing ahsoka use the force in that way which i mean you know throughout especially like video games and in the comics and the books and stuff like just sort of using the force and to reach out and sense in that way um, is something that we're kind of familiar with, but you rarely see it sort of on screen in that way to like reach out to somebody across such great distances. I guess that's kind of what Leia does with Ben in Rise of Skywalker. And then she dies right afterwards. Um, but it was just cool to see, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine, you know, establish that connection here. And even to see Sabine able to sense it, um, even having the limited force potential that she does. So I guess in a way, that's sort of the first time that we've seen her maybe not use the force because Ahsoka was really the one using it, but um, seen her really kind of connect with it in any yeah, meaningful exactly. way so far. Um, but then also like just the way that Thrawn handled that whole situation and to see the Night Sisters get involved in using their magic to be able to kind of piggyback off of that and pinpoint where Ahsoka was um was all really cool and i mean thrawn this entire episode was so on point um him and ezra too and we'll talk about ezra a little yeah. bit later in some of his <laughs> scenes but um yeah if anything i think my favorite aspects of this episode were just ezra and thrawn um being kind of in in peak form ezra just being his usual kind of lighthearted self and thrawn being you know, we saw him get to be kind of like just menacing in the last episode and see why he's kind of, you know, this imposing threat and everything. But this episode to see really him do his tactical maneuvering and, and the kind of stuff that um, he's known for and, you know, what makes him such a great villain. The fact that he's thinking three steps ahead of everybody else and, um, you know, willing to pull back and let the heroes think they've won when really he's just sort of manipulating them on a path that he wants them to go down so he can be waiting for them at the end of that path. And um, every time we cut back to him and he was watching stuff play out on his hollow board and, you know, just kind of positioning all the pieces and his, uh, his analysis of things was just really cool to see. Yes. A lot of cool stuff again with Thrawn. 
um, just seeing Thrawn be Thrawn here <laughs> was great to see a live action. And I did like to, I was somebody kind of speculated on, on the last episode when he asked to find out about Ahsoka and who her master is. And then when he did see that her master was Anakin, I, I was wondering like he'd, if he'd get this worried or like fearful uh, look to him, but I wouldn't say fearful, but he, he had a concerned look like he definitely oh. <laughs> had a concerned yeah. look. <laughs> It was like, okay, they kind of have to rethink things here a little bit. Because expect the unexpected with her. As he kind of said, like, if she's anything like her master, she'll do things like in an unorthodox way. <laughs> things you might not expect. So that was great. I just love seeing his reaction uh, to when he heard the name or saw the name Anakin Skywalker. So that was really cool. And yeah, just the stuff with Sabine and Ezra when we first see him. I will say I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see firsthand like Ezra's initial reaction when Sabine filled him in on everything that happened with the Empire falling and all that because he was just kind of recounting to her just like saying like it's still kind of hard to process on all this happened. I would have loved to see kind of his initial reaction. But at the same time, I do. I am glad we still got something with Ezra acknowledging all that's happened and them seeing him kind of make sense of it all and where the galaxy is at and just kind of realizing everything that he's missed during that period <laughs> another great moment too between the two of them was where uh sabine was still kind of filling them in and said that oh ahsoka took me as her apprentice and he's all oh you why and then she just got this look on his face like like really you said that he goes i mean well yeah that's great i mean it makes sense i mean you had a little training when i was first learning so that was a, another cool callback so trial of the dark saber um I, again another moment where i wish they would have name dropped kanan there but mm-hmm. so those of us who watch the rebels know exactly what he's referring to there so it's cool to kind of just get taken back to that moment in rebels when they're talking about that stuff there so yeah just great stuff with them too and then with ahsoka trying to connect to sabine with the force i thought that was great for all the reasons that you mentioned and again just showing that that is a way you know where sabine is showing that she does have a, a connection to the force that we know all living beings do and then it's just showing that how strong their bond of her and ahsoka is because even hu yang is kind of skeptical of that saying is your uh bond with sabine that strong that you think you can do that and obviously it was because uh, ahsoka was able to get through to her so uh, there probably is more to their connection than maybe even sabine realizes at that moment but it was just i think a great moment for her to kind of have that feeling that she's probably never had before with the force and not necessarily saying that she heard ahsoka's voice but just that she recognized that feeling of ahsoka and realized that that's kind of didn't know how to describe it but knew how it was and that sort of was kind of there to kind of help her to along the way to try to understand what that's like because obviously he's felt a feeling like that before too so just great stuff um with all these characters um that we're getting in this moment ahsoka thrawn sabine and ezra it's just all working so so well yeah yeah and it was cool to see too sort of the the way the night sister magic worked with their little orbs that they've got that kind of form this like energy triangle around the map and then as soon as they kind of honed in on ahsoka's connection like the the lines moved inward and, you know, honed right in on that point. Um, I do hope in the finale we get to see some good old, good old fashioned, like, you know, green fiery night sister magic. Um, but it was just cool to see it kind of used differently here and see the ways that they're, you know, aiding Thrawn with his stuff. Um, 
and then you know i've been seeing the the eye of scion like open fire on them from uh the asteroid field ring i always love like it's rare in star wars that we get to see like live action like orbital bombardments with turbo lasers Mm. um like coming from capital ships and that's just like one thing i love seeing even though this was I guess that counts as a capital ship. Like these are definitely turbo laser batteries. Like those are some big heavy lasers that were just firing down into that debris field um, that Ahsoka and Huyang then had to dodge as they're flying out. And then the fighters start chasing after them again and they head down towards the planet. So um, yeah, just all of that made for a cool sequence. Um, And then as all of this is going on, then you throw Balin and Shin in the mix um, and they catch up to uh, Sabine and Ezra and the Noti as they're, you know, going on their way and they're up on their, their howler mounts. Um, and they've got their like little squad of bandits there with them that they've recruited. Um, and as they catch up to them, um, you know, Shin is kind of like, all right, you know, what's our move or whatever. And Balin is like, call Thrawn for reinforcements, go kill Sabine and Bridger. Um and, you know, take your place in Thrawn's coming empire. And, uh, you know, your ambitions are going to lead you down one path and my path lies in a different direction. And so basically just saying like, hey, this is where we part ways um, and gives her, you know, some parting words of advice where he says, uh, I forget exactly what he says. He's like, uh, impatience for victory will lead to defeat um, or something mm-hmm. like that. But um, I, I'll be surprised. I'll, I'll be honest. This kind of surprised me and caught me off guard. I. I like the decision to have Balin and Shin part ways. I mean, I, I think it kind of makes sense given um, some of the conversations they've had in the past and the fact that Shin doesn't really seem to fully be on board with or even fully understand Balin's plan. Um but she does kind of seem to have her own ambitions to power and stuff. But I would have liked to see a little bit more build up to this. Because to me, it's never really felt like Shin has her own ambitions. It's more of just sort of like a misunderstanding of what Balin's ambitions are. Um, And she still has felt kind of very like young and naive and just kind of trailing along behind him and like doing whatever he wants to do, but maybe just sort of misunderstanding the reasons why they're doing it. Um, you know, again, it's like, oh, so we're working with these guys to help bring Thrawn back and he's going to start a war and, and, you know, sort of bring the empire back and like, that's going to create power for us. Or like, you know, that it's going to be our turn to finally be on top and that's going to bring us into power. And he's like, no, 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 that's not why we're doing this. Like our power is elsewhere. Um, but it, it didn't really feel like for her, like it was like a, no, this is my power. And like, that is what I want. And, you know, you, you want something different. And so I think just with the way that their characters have been so far and the fact that, you know, I mean, we still have yet to see what Balin's end goal is. And it'll be interesting to see by the end of all this, if we really view him as a villain or just kind of more of an anti-hero. Um, but I think just because they're not sort of true evil villains, like it, makes sense for them to maybe sort of part amicably amicably like this without having like a big explosive fight or Shin trying to stab Mm -hmm. him in the back or something like that. But at the same time, I still just would have liked to maybe see a little bit more um, character development up to that point, especially maybe see a little bit more building of Shin's ambitions on her own and kind of 
let her develop more as a character kind of outside of Balin's shadow. And maybe that's why they're doing this. But I think it would have been nice to see a little bit of that in her while she was still with him to kind of give more of a, a justification for that split. Um, you know, even something as simple as when she's saying like, uh, you know, is, are we are we going to get power out of this or are we going to, you know, are we going along with Thrawn or whatever? And him being like, no, that's not what I want. And then for her to be like, well, that is what I want. Like, clearly mm -hmm. he's gotten that impression, but I feel like she hasn't been very sort of, um, I don't know, taking a stand uh, for that. So um, I don't know. I thought that maybe could have used a little bit more development just to be even more sort of impactful. But at the same time, like I said, I like the decision, you know, overall to take their characters in that direction. And I think it opens up a lot of interesting possibilities because now I definitely think that the end game in the finale, at least for Ahsoka, is going to be to confront Balin and stop him from whatever it is that he's trying to do. Um, or who knows, maybe help him do whatever he's trying to do if it turns out to be a good thing. But like, you know, we have no idea like what he's, you know, this this power that he's seeking about going back to the beginning and see, you know, stopping this, this cycle of destruction between, you know, the light and the dark and whatever. Um, you know, I, I hope we get a lot more answers on that in the finale. And I hope it all comes to a satisfying conclusion. Um, but I'm not necessarily expecting uh, Balin to walk away from it at the end, but I think this provides an opportunity for Shin to now kind of go and become her own character um, and, you know, I think I just talked about on the last episode how, like, well, we need a, a sort of lightsaber-wielding, force-wielding baddie for the movie, um, especially if we're going to have Luke in it or we're going to have Ahsoka or whatever. Like, Thrawn is great, but, like, you need somebody to have a lightsaber battle with, right? Um, and so that could be Shin, and, you know, it could be, like, you know, this is just kind of her backstory, and now maybe they're going to try to, um, you know, evolve her into, like, a more interesting standalone villain in her own right in the movie. So um, yeah, lots of interesting directions they could go with this. And uh, you know, it was kind of unexpected, but I think overall I like it and I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that is a fair criticism to have on it where it did seem to come out of nowhere, so to speak, not necessarily nowhere, but it just felt abrupt that he just says this is the time where we part ways, but yet it does make sense for the reasons that he listed. And to be fair, we did get hints of that in the previous episode for the bit of dialogue that you mentioned as far as saying, is this our time now to seize that power with Thrawn? But even after that, um, in their final scene in the last episode where she's talking about um, kind of this just being, there's nothing here but a wasteland and even the Night Sisters are eager to get off this planet, even though Balin tries to say maybe they're afraid of a greater power, but it's kind of sets it to himself, like realizing that what he's after, it's not going to be kind of what Shin's after well, or she's, uh, her path lies a different way that, as he mentions here, one seeking uh, to be her, have her place in this uh, new empire that he seems to think is going to be a foregone conclusion once Thrawn makes it back out. Um, so yeah, there is some precedent for why he, he does come to, the dis to this decision and has them part ways here. But at the same time, I agree with you where um, maybe just a little more could have been expanded with that. Like you said, just have maybe Shin say something about how for herself, how she's really kind of craving this kind of power or to be included in this new empire that Thrawn is going to bring. But 
Um, yeah, but it does set up for some interesting things because um, I, I was speculating last week how maybe she was the key to what Balin was after. Maybe he kind of needed to use her as like a, a vessel or a sacrifice or something to gain that power or it needed a master and an apprentice uh, type of relationship. But um, apparently that doesn't seem to be the case. And he was just kind of, well, we still don't know the full reason why he was training or took her as an apprentice, but obviously it was just kind of something um, that he saw in her that he think he can, as he said, bring out something greater. And maybe he just feels that greatness um, is going to be um, in the other galaxy in this empire that he believes Thrawn is going to bring about. So yeah, it was definitely a surprise when that happened. And just, again, just makes me so eager to find out <laughs> what is Balin after. And maybe he's realizing too that his path leads a different way and it's ultimately going to lead to his death and he doesn't want that for Shin after kind of sensing what she wants. So um, it'll be interesting to see what goes down obviously in the next uh, episode in the finale and just if their paths are going to cross in the finale or if they totally are <laughs> separated now. But uh, hopefully they do. Hopefully she does see what becomes of Balin. And again, that sets her off on a totally different course because I'm sure we'll get into what happens at the end of this episode. Um, was a confrontation with um, Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka. But yeah, this is definitely a surprising moment that I wasn't expecting to see and have them separate, which at the same time, I think it's, like you said, overall, it makes sense. And it's kind of good for the story of the characters, but also kind of bun because they were such a great pair, Balin and Shin. That's <laughs> a great master and apprentice relationship that we saw over the course of these seven episodes that it was kind of sad to see that end here. But um, yeah, still plenty to come, I'm sure, for both of those characters. But definitely an interesting story cho choice in this moment for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and who knows? I mean, we could maybe see them back together in in the finale. Because um, also, I mean, Shin doesn't even really talk much through this episode the one no. the one thing that just is kind of weird to me like i can definitely see where balen based on their previous conversations and just like the questions that she asks that he would maybe get the impression that oh she's not fully on board or she has ambitions that are going to take her in a different path or even just you know the way that any like parent or mentor or teacher figure you know might be able to kind of just know you as a person and kind of get a sense of the direction that you're headed. Um, maybe, you know, in a way that they maybe know you better than you know yourself or something. Mm -hmm. So it, it seemed like this is kind of him doing what he thinks is best for her. I just feel like even though she kind of was questioning his plan and stuff, it just felt like I, it kind of left me wondering, like, is this what Shin wants? Um you know, at the same even, time, she didn't really have a problem with it either. She was kind of eager she to didn't. She go didn't. based off yeah. Ezra and Sabine. Yeah, because she does then, you know, call Thrawn's reinforcements and go after them and stuff. But again, I was like, is she just, is she doing that because that's what she wants? Or is she doing it just because she, you know, follows Balin's orders? So I just like, I would like to see a little bit more um, sort of assertiveness from her and sort of what her own goals and desires as a character are. Um and maybe we'll see some of that in the finale, or again, maybe she just needs time on her own to kind of figure that out. And she's been living in Balin's shadow for so long. And, you know, maybe he's just kind of releasing her from that and wants her to go sort of be her own person. Um, Cause also, yeah, like you said, like maybe like, I think all along the reason he's been training her is to help in this journey and to help sort of achieve this goal. But like now that he's here, um, maybe he feels like, uh, 
you know, she's kind of taken me as far as I need to go, as far as sort of needing someone to help me along this journey. And I can kind of get the rest of the way by myself. And there's no sense sort of dragging her down with me, especially if it is going to require some sort of sacrifice or, you know, something like that, um, if she's not fully committed to it. So, yeah, this almost seemed like, even though it's a master and apprentice relationship and she's not like a, ser a servant to him or anything like that, it definitely felt like a sort of like, you know, I'm releasing you from my service before I go off and do my last thing. Um, kind of had that that gist to it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it all ends up in the finale. Um, but like you said, I mean, they're a great, you know, sort of dynamic duo and it would be great to see more of them together. But um, I think there also is room for them to, you know, sort of evolve on different interesting paths on their own as well. Yeah, without question. Um, and so then, uh, you know, Shin and the, the band of marauders, you know, ride down and, uh, go after Sabine and Ezra and the Noti, and you get this fun sort of Western style chase sequence. Um, it was funny as I was watching it with my friends, we were also t pointing out how it was kind of very reminiscent of, uh, another Lord of the Rings moment with the wargs as they're mm. approaching <laughs> Helm's Deep. Um, but, uh, you know, also definitely had the feel of like an old Western, you know, sort of stagecoach chase yeah. <laughs> with, uh, you know, the wagons and the horses and stuff. Um, and just, you know, again, another fun chase sequence, some fun, uh, you know, blaster action and um, the the Noti using, you know, slingshots and rocks yeah, and great. stuff uh, <laughs> to try to take these guys out. I wonder um, where they learned to use the slingshot from. <laughs> exactly. It's like, ah, oh, they've been hanging out with somebody who we know is very familiar with something like that. Um, and then eventually, you know, Ezra has them kind of circle the wagons and take up a defensive formation. And he and Sabine prepare to, you know, defend everybody. And uh, Sabine tries to give him his lightsaber back. And he's like, no, I don't want it. You keep it. He's like, I don't need it. The force is my ally. Like I gave it to <laughs> you. It's that. yours now. And just being very like cavalier about the whole yeah. thing. Um, and it's funny because I've seen so many jokes about, uh, you know, it being like Luke from the last Jedi, like tossing the lightsaber over the shoulder, but at the same time, it almost was, it was like a complete opposite type moment. Cause it's like in the heat of battle, uh, you know, it's kind of this tense moment, but at the same time, like, it's not staged like this big dramatic thing where it's like, you're taking up the lightsaber again and, and kind of reclaiming your mantle. It was just, again, Ezra very casually being like, Oh yeah, I don't need that. I, I've got the force. I'm good. Like you keep the lightsaber. Um, and I'm interested to see, like, is he going to take it back at some point? Is he going to get another one? Is he, uh, you know, is, is this maybe sort of the evolution of his character that he's maybe going to become Maybe more of a pacifist Jedi who's like, I don't need a weapon and I'm going to try to just live peacefully. But like when I do need to defend myself, like I'm just good with the force. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that going forward. And if we ever do see him take up a lightsaber again, because I was kind of looking forward to that. It's been fun to see Same. Sabine yeah. use it um, and get to see that, like, even though she doesn't really have force abilities, see that she's still competent with a lightsaber just because of her you know, learning to train with it with Kanan and, and uh, Ahsoka and her background as a Mandalorian with weapons training and stuff. But it would be fun to get to see that in the hands of a full-fledged Jedi again and somebody that does have the Force. Um, but it was also fun to get this little action sequence here with Ezra, you know, fighting these guys off and just using punches and kicks and Force pushes and dodging them and, um, you know, being very... Uh, 
I guess as Yoda would say, you know, a Jedi using the force for knowledge and defense and not for attack. Um, which I mean, still defend yourself with a lightsaber, but like it just it was cool to see that. Like, we've never seen a Jedi be like, no, I'm gonna, you know, I don't need a lightsaber, I'm just gonna use the force to defend myself here. So Again, just different take on a Jedi action sequence that we hadn't really seen before. Mm. Meanwhile, you get Sabine running around with the lightsaber and the blaster and taking guys out, um, putting that Beskar armor to good use, too. You know, she was taking a lot of hits, but obviously, you know, shrugging them off and kept going. So um, and it was, you know, it was fun just to get to see the two of them in action together and reunited after all this time, um, seeing something we haven't seen since Rebels. So, uh, you know, another little fun skirmish here yeah i love this it was just something really fun and just a really cool action sequence uh to see both of them in action together which is really cool and like you said i love that moment where sabine was trying to hand him the lightsaber and he wouldn't take it like no it's yours now and i just loved his dialogue where he just goes um the force is my ally that's all i need we just argue back to probably my favorite line of dialogue from the empire strikes back where Yoda says for my ally is a force and a powerful ally it is and it really is as as it was showing um his display and using it again it's still just with these bandits and some stormtroopers but still making putting it to good use um and just again just make for a visually cool action sequence with just him using the force to uh push away some enemies to see even some way more more in the sound design, where it was like some of the hits he was landing had a little thump to it in certain mm-hmm. instances where you felt the force having its impact there. So a lot of cool stuff. And then when he gets to the part where Shin starts attacking him and he uses the force to kind of hold back her lightsaber, that's a visual that will never get old. I mean, it was awesome yeah. when we saw Kylo and Ray did it in the Rise of Skywalker. And it was great to see it here too. So yeah, but then going back to the little chase sequence. Um, that that they had early on, it was just that was just a lot of fun. Like you said, harking back to an old Western stagecoach uh, chase or an action sequence, and uh, Sabine trying to hold off the bandits, and even some of the Noti trying to do what they can, throwing some little rocks and pebbles, and not having much effect, but yet still doing what they can to try to defend themselves. And it just made for just you know some good lighthearted fun action. They're seeing their reaction to try to dodge the blaster shots and hiding into. Uh, their their carriages there which is it's made for a really fun action sequence but then you got to like the really cool action stuff once the bandits and uh the stormtroopers getting involved and ezra and sabine were just letting loose so yeah just a really fun slash cool action sequence all the way around right here in this moment yeah um which then like you said got even cooler once shin showed up and uh she gets her lightsaber out starts attacking ezra and he's again just dodging using the force um has that really cool moment where he just you know uses the force to hold the saber right there and you can see the energy kind of like warping and coming off of it um and it was really cool because i mean like you said we saw that in rise of skywalker where ray and kylo both kind of do that to each other in their fight on um gosh can you remember that like kefbeer yeah, the, the planet where, where the, the death star wreckage was um but you see, you know, the lightsaber kind of gets frozen and you see kind of that whole wave of energy coming off the back of it. But in this case, it was like it was almost like the energy was just distorted, like in two specific spots, almost as if you could see like where his hands would be holding it if he had his hands on it. Um, but it was just where he was using the force on it. It was just a really cool effect and cool visual. Um, yeah, so cool that that was the gif I decided to use about recording an episode tonight so oh nice <laughs> I yeah i haven't right even now. looked at that yet <laughs> it um, just looks cool looking at it right now 
But uh, then, yeah, he's able to obviously hold her long enough for Sabine to come and join the fight. And, you know, she starts attacking her with the lightsaber. Um, but then, uh, you know, before they can um, defeat her, you know, I think they're trying to get her to be like, oh, you know, surrender. We've got you surrounded um, or got you outnumbered. And then uh, you hear the Imperial gunships coming with Thrawn's reinforcements, which that was also just cool to see those things in live action for the first mm -hmm. time. Um which I think we first, well, we first saw those in Clone Wars as like the Coruscant, like police gunships. Um, and then in Rebels, they started just using them as like the Imperial gunships. And we've seen them in like the, the Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor games. Um, Did we yeah, see so them see in uh, episode four of the Mandalorian season three with uh, Keller and Beck rescuing Grogu? Did the clones come out on there? No, because those are still in Republic gunships. That's true. That's true. Yeah, those are still in the uh, the LAATs. Okay. Um, Ship model numbers and stuff like that are not my expertise in Star Wars. I will admit, not besides the basics, <laughs> the classic. Yeah, ships. yeah. I, you know, I I definitely know more of that stuff than some people, but there are also people out there that know even more specifics than I do. Um, but uh, yeah, I know my Republic gunships. That's for sure. Um. But yeah, so seeing these Imperial ones on screen was really cool. Um, and of course, they come and drop off like two squads of the Stormtroopers or the Night Troopers, I guess, you know, as they're called with the, you know, the gold plating and the Night Sister bandaging and all that stuff. Um, but it doesn't matter how cool they look. They're still just as bad of shots as they were yeah. back in our <laughs> galaxy. Yeah. And we were kind of speculating, too, if they would be undead Stormtroopers or zombie Stormtroopers. But from all... Uh, indications that they were just regular stormtroopers who haven't seen action in a very long time, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, so suddenly Shin and the stormtroopers have them outnumbered. Um, but meanwhile, as all this has been going on, um, Ahsoka and Hu Yang up in their ship, you know, fly down into the atmosphere and uh, Ahsoka tells Hu Yang to like take over and get me down close to this one area and whatever. And they're going to do this aerial drop thing. And they've got some fun little banter about like, oh, hey, remember the last time we tried this and it didn't go well. Um, but, uh, you know, he drops Ahsoka off. She flies out of the air, comes, you know, tumbling down on the ground and comes face to face with Balin. And, um, He's got some more interesting dialogue here where, you know, he's like, oh, you survived. And she's like, you know, disappointed. And he's like, actually, no. Like, again, you know, going back to where he tells Morgan, you know, it would be a pity to kill her because there's so few Jedi left. So he almost seems pleasantly surprised that she survived. But at the same time is like, but I can't let you stop me from accomplishing my goal still. Um, and so they have a brief, you know, a, a brief skirmish. Um, I'm sure it won't be the last because it certainly was not sort of like the climactic rematch that we were hoping for seeing yeah. Ahsoka and Balin go at it again. I mean, she's, you know, she's got the all white outfit. She's, you know, finally using the two lightsabers this time now. So um, I was kind of hoping for a bit more of a cool fight. But at the same time, like I said, it, it clearly it was clearly like not the intention that this be sort of the climactic confrontation. Um, but what's so cool about it, too, is that we're seeing Ahsoka use the form that she was practicing at the beginning that in the Anakin yeah. video. And I just loved how unique and different that fighting style was. And that form was, it was just really cool to see just like her getting ready to her stance before the fight actually began, but actually during the fight too, just some just great looking more, more great choreography that just looked 
great to see uh, play out between Ahsoka and Balin in this fight. Now, it was like a very short but very sweet fight. Yeah, definitely. There was definitely still some cool stuff in there. Just I'm still itching to see more of it um, and see kind of their like I, I want Ahsoka and Balin to have their duel of the fates moment. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, fun little duel there. And then, you know, they kind of get to a stalemate and Balin's like, oh, you can't defeat me. And Ahsoka's like, well, I don't have to. And Hu Yang flies overhead and, you know, drops these like flares or rockets or whatever that kick up a bunch of dirt and explosions and she's able to get away. She steals Balin's mount um, and rides off towards the battle to help Sabine and Ezra. Um, and so, you know, we go back to them and, uh, you know, again, the tables are turned now. They're, you know, they're surrounded. Um, and Ezra, you know, pulling his classic Ezra moves is <laughs> so kind of trying to stall for time. And he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. We surrender and like, don't you want to take us as prisoners? And he's being very like big and exaggerated um, and it's funny too, cause you know how I talked about last episode on, uh, just sort of the look of Ezra and having like the blue eyes and stuff and how it like took me a while to get used to it first and looked, you know, just, I guess not weird, but just a little bit off putting or whatever. Um, but in some scenes in this episode where his eyes got real big, either out of surprise or him just being kind of very like expressive, I was like oh my gosh, that's Ezra right out of the cartoon. Like something about the big blue eyes. I was like, <laughs> that's Rebels Ezra. Um, and I almost like, it makes sense that, you know, with him having been in this exile for 10 years that he's going to have, you know, long shaggy hair and the beard and stuff. But it's like, I almost want to see him with a buzz cut and clean shaven just because I'm like, I bet it's going to look just like Ezra right out of season three. Um, well, Shin did provide a little bit of the buzz cut. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, and I guess we did see him in that that old school Rebels look in the hologram um, in the first episode, but we didn't get that much of a good look at him. Yeah. Um, I'm just, you know, whether we see more of him in the movie or a second season or whatever, like, I wonder if this is going to be his sort of new default look going forward or like once they get back to our galaxy, is he going to, you know, get a haircut and like some new Jedi robes or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, a little, you know, just fun moment of Ezra being Ezra there. Uh, but of course, you know, Shin doesn't buy it and she orders the troopers to open fire. And right before they do, Ahsoka comes riding right through the middle and she does a big force push and knocks a bunch of the troopers over. Um, and then, you know, just kind of chaos erupts and, uh, you know, they start fighting back with uh, Ahsoka on their side now. And um, it was just cool to see the three of them reunited finally after, you know, having been on this whole journey trying to find Ezra. Um for this whole series now getting to see Ahsoka, Sabine and Ezra just take out stormtroopers together. was really fun. Yeah, it was great. And you said at that moment where Ezra was trying to stall, it was just pitch perfect. It was like Ezra, we all remember from rebels and him just kind of doing the same stick that he did tried in so many episodes at rebels. So it was just great to see in live action. And again, just the casting of these characters has just been, great for every single one of them in my opinion and same thing with Ezra here so it was just fantastic to see that his characterization on display here in live action it was just so so good and then as you said that moment where Ahsoka comes we just get some more cool action with them taking out uh, the stormtroopers and Ahsoka um, fighting Shin without a lightsaber as well um, I mean that that can't be 
too good for Shin's confidence where she had to battle two uh, character force users right here who weren't even using their lightsabers to take her on. But of course, with Ahsoka, you know, with the experience she had, she could easily take out or stand against her own against Shin without using her lightsabers. Um, but it's still made for some great action sequences between those characters. So yeah, just another great way to continue the action that started off um, with that little chase sequence uh, at the beginning here, and it's leading to this uh, moment here. Just great all the way around. Although I did think it was funny that uh, at, at first Ezra was like, I don't need my lightsaber. You know, the force is my ally. And then as soon as the stormtroopers show up, the first thing he does is take one of their blasters and just start shooting all the <laughs> other stormtroopers. Um, Fair. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess there were more stormtroopers than there were of the marauders. So, you know, at some point, I guess when you're outnumbered, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, but it was, you know, it was fun nonetheless. It definitely was, you know, it was just like stuff you'd see him do back in the Rebels days. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, fun, fun action there. Um, of course, you know, the standoff between, um, Ahsoka and Shin, where, like you said, she doesn't even get her lightsabers out and really engage. She's just kind of deflecting. And then once, uh, Sabine and Ezra take all the troopers out, um, or I guess they don't take all of them out because Thrawn eventually, like, recalls them. Um, mm -hmm. but Sabine tries to, or, uh, Sabine, Ahsoka tries to get Shin to join them. She's like, you know, lay down your weapons, you know, come with us, we can help you. And you see, like, Shin legitimately seems like she's considering it for a moment. Um, yeah. and again, th this is why, you know, with the thing of Balin letting her go and being like, you know, go kill them and, and take your place. Like, it doesn't even feel like to me that that's fully what she wants. Like, she... She's just kind of aimless and like doing what she's told. Um, and I think, you know, the idea of especially now being on her own without her master, like having someone else who's experienced with the force and, you know, can offer her a different path saying, hey, come with us. We can help you. You know, we're willing to take you in um, is maybe enticing to her. And she's, you know, kind of weighing her options and then, you know, just runs off and uh, presumably goes back to Thrawn because again, Balin says, you know, tells her, Hey, go with Thrawn and, and take your place in his empire and stuff. But we don't really see where she rides off to on that mountain. We don't see her back with Thrawn by the end of the episode. So um, I think there's a chance that maybe she runs back to join up with Balin again instead. Um, That's kind of where I'm leaning right now. Yeah, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. But like I said, she also maybe could just follow the gunships and ride back to the fortress and join up with Thrawn and everything. Because um, also as Thrawn, as Thrawn is watching the whole battle play out, like he very pointedly is like, you know, we're missing one of our mercenaries. Like, where's Balin? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he's counting Shin among his forces. Now, again, whether she'll stay there or not, like we don't know. Um but, you know, Balin clearly seems to be separated from Thrawn by this point. But again, this was another really cool aspect of it. Just watching Thrawn watch the whole thing play out on his like hollow table um, and just doing his strategy and tactics of like directing the squads and everything. But also, again, playing the long game again, like I talked about this on the last episode, too, just the fact that he intentionally sent them all away. Um and so when Ahsoka is coming and they're like, you know, do we ready our defenses? And he's like, no, she's coming to go after Sabine, who we wisely sent far away from here. Um, 
And then as all this fighting has been going on, they've been still loading up their cargo pods for the Night Sisters that they're going to take back with them to our galaxy. And he's like, you know, even though they sort of won this round of combat, like Ahsoka Tano lost the one thing that she couldn't afford to lose, which is time. Um, and now they're going to go ahead and get out of here, which, by the way, I did, uh, as you were talking about that, I went and checked the trailer with that shot of Thrawn where it looks like he's on the bridge of the Eye of Scion. And mm. to me, it does look like Peridia because it looks like there's mm. mountains, like more mountains in the background than there were on Cetos. Um, And it just looks like there's kind of like mountains and clouds out beyond whatever he's looking at. Um, but regardless, I think he's probably going to be on the bridge as they're docking it with the Chimera and then they're going to take it, you know, like he's he's getting back to our galaxy for sure in the next episode. Um, the one thing that I'm kind of surprised by, um, well, I'll hold off for a second because we're, we're almost at the end and then we can kind of talk about speculation and, uh, you know, where we think things are heading next. But, um, yeah, again, just like I said, Ezra and Thrawn both were, were so great in this episode and, uh, just, you know, spot on with their rebels counterparts. And, uh, it was just, you know, great to see them both doing their thing. Yep, seamless transition for both to live animation to live action. But um, yeah, go back to Shin real quick. As far as um, the moment where Ahsoka, or a little bit before that, where Ahsoka offers to help, it seems like she she was surprised that the troops were being evacuated and being called back. Almost like like this wasn't she's like signed up for. Almost like why are we retreating? We we could still take them, and almost like disappointed to where the outcome of this battle where it's going to be as a defeat but it probably in her mind it didn't have to be that way and that kind of makes me leads me to believe that when she's running off she's maybe going to go back to Balin not necessarily to Thrawn not being happy with the outcome and that uh, the troops had to retreat and thus losing the battle maybe she's going to try to go join up with Balin to uh, for whatever reason maybe just to kind of go back to that comfort zone or just kind of maybe realizing um, her place maybe she her place in Thrawn's empire not what she's thought it was going to be so that's kind of where i'm leaning towards her going back to Balin rather than thrawn when run she's running away there especially kind of with that temptation of being offered help from another jedi or force user in that scenario and just kind of like you said she didn't really necessarily reject it right away she almost looked like she was contemplating a bit she stood there for a few seconds of uh, thinking and just like maybe the thought it just kind of scared her off and just not to have maybe another master other than Balin was something that she just couldn't take or handle right there. And just kind of want to, like I said, go back maybe to that comfort zone of having Balin as her master. And maybe he won't accept her back knowing that he's their paths lie separately. And this is only something that he does. So um, we'll see if that is where she goes. Like I'm kind of hoping that is, because that again would just make for some more interesting interactions between the two characters, how he would uh, react to her coming back. Um, after losing that battle and maybe just kind of wanted to join up with, with him and maybe she tells them about being offered to join up with Ahsoka but chooses rather to stay with him but he's not going to accept that so just a lot of different possibilities of where that can go if she um, ends up um, running back to Balin in that sequence so but we'll see but um, again <laughs> just more stuff to be anxiously waiting to see the outcome of once we get to the finale next week yeah for sure um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see where she ends up and what happens with Balin and what kind of comes of the two of them. And if they're still together or off on separate paths or whatever. 
Um, who knows? Maybe Balin will say you should have took her offer because everything he says to in regards to Ahsoka is always surprising. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated, and like I said, I I hope we come to a moment where Shin definitively makes a choice one way or the other. Like whatever yeah, happens agreed. to her, I want it to be kind of her choice and stepping out of just doing whatever Balin says or doing whatever Thrawn tells me to do or Ahsoka's offering me or whatever. Like I want to see her kind of maybe surprise everybody with the choice that she decides to make for herself. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, but yeah, so, you know, she runs off the troopers retreat. Like I said, Thrawn, uh, you know, kind of has all his plans in motion and they're getting ready to go. They're almost all fully loaded up. Um, but meanwhile, you know, Ahsoka gets to have a touching reunion with Ezra finally. Um, and, you know, Sabine's like, oh, I thought you were dead. And she's like, you know, miss out on this reunion? Like, never. And, you know, she goes ahead and gives him a big hug. But then Ezra's like, wait, you thought she was dead? Um, and so that is, you know, a lingering bit of tension here. Like, they're going to have to reconcile with the fact that, um, you know, Sabine allied herself with the enemy to try to go and save Ezra and you know, whatever's about to happen with Thrawn is partially, you know, something that she allowed to happen and she could have stopped this. So, um, and it is kind of weird that Ezra's let her get away with not bringing that up for so long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, and he, he keeps telling her like, Hey, like we're going to have to go home eventually. Like I kind of need to know how you got here and how we're getting back. And, you know, she keeps just kind of brushing it off. Um, so, yeah, I think we're finally going to kind of get that addressed in the next episode. Um, but, yeah, it was just kind of funny for her to be like, oh, thank goodness, I thought you were dead. And he's like, wait, you thought she was dead? Like, what's going on here? Like, he's still really in the dark. So, um, yeah, nice reunion there. Nice to see them all together. And it just kind of ends with him and the Noti and him saying, like, hey, guys, I think I'm finally going to get to go home. Um, but, uh, yeah, still a lot of lingering questions about – how are they going to get back home? And how is he going to feel once he finds out how Sabine got there in the first place? And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that all gets wrapped up. So I'm sure a very interesting conversation is going to be taking place on a ship between the three of them when <laughs> the finale episode gets going. Because um, I imagine that's where they're going to be talking about all this stuff. But, um, but yeah, like you said, just a, a great moment seeing the three of them like kind of really get reunited once the battle is over and Ahsoka giving and Ezra having that embrace and just a great line by Ahsoka to say to miss this reunion. It was just, it was just awesome. And again, going back to that point of Ahsoka growing as a character or just becoming out of that, uh, that state of mind that she was in at the beginning of this series to where, um, at the beginning, you would expect her to really be upset with Sabine, just kind of having that same attitude she had in the first two um, after Sabine uh, let Shin get the map and that line where at the hospital where she says, no, you've done enough. Uh, just kind of more to that effect. But no, she just had a big smile on her face knowing that Sabine and Ezra are both alive. Sabine found Ezra. And just, again, that journey that Ahsoka took in the world between worlds and Shadow Warrior is all just shaping how she is right now and in this moment and just her reaction to everything, kind of just seeing uh, the good of what Sabine did here. She did find Ezra. Uh, he is alive. They are reunited. Yes, they still have to have face that problem of Thrawn trying to get out of this planet and back into the galaxy. But for right now, 
they did accomplish what they were set off to do, at least one aspect of that, what Sabine was really focused on doing, uh, which was finding Ezra, and they did that. And Ahsoka, I was definitely happy <laughs> to see both of them during that moment. So I just thought that was just really great and just uh, more of showing just uh, the character that Ahsoka has become once again after what she went through in the world between worlds, being taught that final lesson by Anakin. Uh, it still just gives me chill thinking about that. Anakin taught her one more lesson, and we're seeing the fruits of that lesson that he taught her in yes, this episode. He did. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and that's why this entire show has been some of the best Star Wars we've gotten in a long time. Um, here, here. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. I, I've, I've tried to intentionally like hold off on the hyperbole of being like, "Oh, this is the best Star Wars series," or "This is the best Disney Star Wars," whatever. Like until we get to the finale and see how the whole story plays out, and you know, see if they stick the landing, which I have no doubt that they will. But we're so close. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's really been a fantastic show so far. Um, but yeah, still lots of big questions heading into the finale. Like again, we got to see how how is the relationship between sabine and ezra going to be reconciled once he finds out that uh you know she ate, essentially aided thrawn to to come and you know help rescue him um and you know is thrawn going to get back to the main galaxy which i think he will and if he does how much of that are we going to see are we going to see anybody's reaction to that like in the new republic um will we see any kind of initial battle or skirmish or anything or will we even see any of him like reuniting with paleon and any of the, the remaining imperial forces like how much of that are they going to start setting up to lead into the movie um and then also you know is is shin going with him is she going back with balin what's balin up to what is this power that he's seeking uh what kind of showdown is that going to lead to i'm i'm thinking that's where the the sort of final climactic showdown for ahsoka and sabine and ezra is going to be next episode is going to be with balin um after mm -hmm. thrawn is already gone and then the question becomes you know do they get to go back home as well or are they stuck on this planet for a while and are we doing a season two of ahsoka over here while we do the movie with thrawn back in the main galaxy um and then just like, also, I mean, the stuff with the Night Sisters too, with the you know all the coffins that they're loading up. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that is not going to get answered right away. Like, and especially with sort of the cliffhanger at the end of the last episode, where Thrawn, you know, the the last episode ends with Thrawn finding out that Ahsoka is coming, and then telling the Night Sisters, uh, "I will once again require the aid of your dark magic." And so I thought that once Ahsoka showed up, that you know one of the things that we're going to have to deal with was like Night Sister zombies or the Night Sisters doing you know some dark magic stuff to keep them at bay. Um, and now I'm thinking again. I think the main conflict in the finale really is going to be with Balin, and I think we might have to wait until we get back to our galaxy to find out what the Night Sisters' plans are. Um, and you know what they've got in those coffins and stuff and but then it's like their deal with thrawn really seems to be just hey we'll you know we'll use our magic to call morgan elsbeth and get her to come pick you up and in exchange you bring us back with you and this cargo that we want to take and so once we're back in our galaxy and setting up for the movie and everything, it's like, are they still going to be allied with Thrawn? Is part of his plan for rebuilding the Empire and taking over the galaxy, is that going to be with Night Sisters at his side and an army of Night Sister zombies? Or are they going to be off doing their own thing? And maybe we could get 
a spinoff series about the witches of Dathomir and how freaking cool would that be? <laughs> um, but there's, you know, that's one, like I said, that's one of the things that I'm willing to accept, you know, maybe not getting resolved in the finale and we're going to have to wait till later to see that. But um, I do kind of hope that they maybe reveal or at least give us kind of a tease of what is in those coffins. I mean, those of us that are longtime fans and have, you know, watched Clone Wars and played Jedi Fallen Order and stuff, like we know what's probably in those coffins. But, um, you know, for the uninitiated um, to, you know, maybe give us some kind of glimpse or maybe we will see some Night Sister, you know, some some dark magic because we didn't really see much in this episode aside from them just doing the stuff with the map. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, are we going to have to wait to see that or are they going to sort of pay off on that setup and and we get to see kind of the Night Sisters go crazy? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, there's there's a lot of questions. And then the one other big thing for me is once Thrawn gets back, I think it's very possible that we maybe get a couple of cameos at the end of the finale um, that set up for the movie as we're seeing maybe kind of the reaction of some of the big players finding out that Thrawn is back. So like we could see Han, we could see Luke, we could see Leia, we could see Zeb, we could see Callus. Um I think of those five, you know, maybe we get one or two. Like, I'm not expecting to see all these people. I'm not expecting to go, you know, go all around the galaxy and see every major character's reaction to Thrawn coming back. Um, but to get maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe it's Luke because we've already seen him in these shows. Mm -hmm. um, but to get one kind of almost like a post credit scene. I don't know if they would put it after the credits, but just... Um, you know, how cool would it be if, like, the end of the finale is Ahsoka and Ezra and Sabine are still stuck in another galaxy, um, but Thrawn comes back and maybe he wipes out a New Republic, you know, patrol fleet or something as soon as he gets back. And then the final scene is Luke training. Maybe he's training apprentices at his temple already or something like that. And R2 rolls up with a message and like it's from Hera or Leia or somebody in the New Republic saying like Grand Admiral Thrawn has returned or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I think that would be a, a cool way to set up for the movie and kind of get us anticipated to see all these characters coming together. Um, but there's that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of questions still and a lot of cool stuff that I'm still hoping to see. And uh you know, I don't think we'll see all of it or at least not see all of it in just one next episode. Um, but yeah, I always go into these finales hoping that it's like an hour and a half long <laughs> um, and feeling like there's still so much story left to tell. And then, I mean, I feel like they usually, the finales usually are pretty long episodes. So I feel like it'll probably be at least 50, 55 minutes maybe, um, even if it's not over mm. an hour, but then that always, you know, ends up being enough time and, uh, you know, they end up telling a really good story and sticking the landing. So I have full faith that we'll come away satisfied next week, but just my head is spinning with all the different possibilities and, uh, questions that I want to have answered. Yeah. And plus we got Rick Fimuewa directing the finale and yeah, he do a great job with the Mando season three finale. <laughs> so, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I gave a lot of my speculation about the finale at the beginning of this episode, but I'm kind of going to echo what you said about kind of hoping that what Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra mainly have to deal with is whatever Balin is after. And I'm kind of hoping that we see Thrawn 
get off of Peridia and back into our galaxy kind of pretty early on in the episode. So we kind of don't have to worry about that with Ahsoka and everyone dealing with Thrawn, but that he's just back in our galaxy and he's going to make his presence known in some way. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And um, I don't know, speaking of like the coffins, if we're, like you said, if we're going to see the like the results of that in this series, but part of me is thinking, do they have to just because they introduced this here and people are going to be worried right. about that for a while? Maybe they leave a few behind to deal with, to have Ahsoka, Sabine and Ezra deal with to kind of buy them a little more time uh, and cause a distraction for them to get off the planet. But at the same time, while that would be cool, it's like, I hope that doesn't take away more from what Balin's after. Because right now, that's what the main thing I'm excited about, about the finale, is just to find out what that is. Or maybe after. they... Maybe they split up too. Like maybe Shin does go back to Thrawn and maybe Ahsoka goes after Balin alone and like Sabine and Ezra go back to try to stop Thrawn from mm, escaping. That's true. That's true. And, um, and yeah, and so maybe they, they end up having to fight a few Sister zombies as they're trying to get there and, and stop Thrawn from taking off. And then they're too late and, you know, they end up leaving. Yeah, or maybe they stow away and leave with Thrawn or something like I don't know. That's the other thing too, because you know, I said earlier how I think it can go either way about Ezra, Sabine, and Ahsoka being stranded on Peridia for a bit. Um, but at the same time, it's like I don't know if Dave's going to do that because two things. First, it might be a little repetitive if we have to tell another story of someone else finding them and getting them off Peridia after they kind of did the same thing with Ezra. Um, but then also too, just thinking how originally when the series first got announced how it was supposed to be a special event series just kind of a one season like one and done scenario and mm -hmm. i would think if that was the case and if dave didn't do any changes to the story maybe he did but i would think he'd kind of want to try to have stuff wrapped up um, with the main characters as far as them getting off peridia and maybe do have that big rebels reunion with all the characters kind of getting uh coming face to face with each other again and seeing each other for the first time in a decade so i think that's still on the table but at the same time too i'm sure um well we don't know for sure when exactly it was a done deal about him getting to do the movie um and kind of continuing the story with all the live action tv shows that we've gotten so far so um yeah, there's a lot of different variables where how my mind goes and thinking the direction of how the finale could play out just from kind of a more realistic uh, behind the scenes type of perspective of how things work out with the development of the series and maybe some possible changes that could have happened once Dave got involved with the with the movie and kind of hearing um, several people say how, well, um, if they're down for doing more seasons of Ahsoka if the opportunities there and how things kind of change from it being referred to as just the one and done event series. So, and I'm sure that's something we'll speculate on, speculate on once we see the finale, as far as thinking if knowing that we're going to get the movie, if a season two can still work um, in between that time period too, or maybe have both. So it all depends on how the finale uh, wraps things up. So yeah, just different ways it can go. It's fun to speculate on, but Man, it's going to be exciting once we get to that episode um, in a week. Again, like I said at the beginning, exciting, but at the same time, also a little sad because it is the last one. But I just cannot wait to see how uh, this gets wrapped up and just what goes down in this final episode. Yeah, me too. Like I'm, like you said, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that it's almost over already, but I'm also so excited to just finally get the conclusion of the story. I'm excited to be able to go back and 
now binge the whole series yeah, in a can't day wait to do and that. <laughs> uh, get to just experience the full story in its entirety. Um, and then I can't wait to see where things leave off and start speculating for what we're going to see in the movie and, uh, you know, where all this stuff is headed. Um, and of course, we've still got like Skeleton Crew and like season four of Mando and stuff that's going to continue building this story. So that's another thing, too. Like, I wonder if I don't think it's going to like end on a cliffhanger that's then going to be picked up like right as the movie starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, we might see Thrawn get back and maybe even start seeing him connecting with Paleon and some of the Imperial remnants and maybe see Luke or, you know, some other people within the new Republic start reacting to that. Um, but it certainly is not like Thrawn's going to come out of hyperspace and like go straight for Coruscant, you know, like he's probably yeah. still going to go somewhere to lay low, probably rebuild the Chimera and start, you know, reconnecting with the other Imperial forces and, you know, sort of biding his time and building his stuff back up. Um, so it'll be interesting too to see, you know, sort of what other stories we get between now and the movie and how they continue to sort of build up to that and sort of lay the groundwork. Um and that's another reason too to where I hope the finale, like its main focus is on Balin and what he's after, because there is time to do more with Thrawn over yes. the course of other series and leading up to the movie. It doesn't all have to be in this finale. So hopefully they just kind of do what they need to do with Thrawn and showing that it gets back into the main galaxy. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the main thrust of it. Like, I, I, in fact, I mean, we know it takes a while to get, you know, between galaxies. Um, it essentially took three episodes for Ahsoka. Um, you know, she left in episode five. She was traveling for all of episode six, and then she got there in episode seven. Um, and kind of same for the uh, the villains as well. You know, they left in episode four. And then episode five was just focusing on Ahsoka. And then we see the villains get to Peridia in episode six. So maybe we see Thrawn leave Peridia like fairly early on in the finale. And then the rest of the episode is focused on Ahsoka and Balin and everybody um, still on Peridia for most of the episode. And then the end is Thrawn getting back to our galaxy. And uh, mm-hmm. again, if we do see him like in action at all or see kind of any any big story stuff once he gets back, I think it'll really just be, if anything, maybe they come back to CTOS and maybe there is still like a New Republic patrol there and they get wiped out and somehow word gets back to Coruscant or something and we see people reacting to that. And then um, we can see the senators and Ziono still deny it. <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah, that's the other thing too. I mean, because because we know that they're already kind of setting up Mando season four to be him like working with the New Republic and trying to hunt down Imperial remnants and stuff. Like, yeah, maybe once Thrawn gets back, maybe not everybody will know right away. Um, even even though he's going to be back in our galaxy, maybe it'll still be a while before Mon Mothma and Ziono and everybody are like forced to fully confront that reality. So. Um, and plus, too, Thrawn, being the great tactician that he is, probably doesn't want to make his appearance known until he's ready. Oh, yeah, time yeah. Time. No, so. Thrawn's not going to immediately come back and just be like, you know, hello, boys, I'm <laughs> back. Um, yeah, he certainly is going to be biding his time and kind of waiting in the shadows. Um, yeah, it maybe would be different if he was like, amassing a a big force or something out here or building a weapon or something but it really seems like he's been trying to just kind of survive and keep his troops in order you know 
Yeah. You know, you, you see the way that everybody, you know, from the troops armor to even you see Thrawn's uniform is a little kind of worn and tattered in places. And so it's like he's he's still definitely not like at his peak right now and not ready to go conquer a galaxy by any means. But he's ready to go and start working on it. And I wonder, too, if he's going to try to get hopefully if there's he tries to seek out some tie defenders that were left <laughs> over any that would be that he could, really cool yeah that he could build more of a fleet of than what he got at thread rebels yeah um yeah man it would be awesome to see those things in live action and see them again jumping forward to the movie seeing those on the big screen in a big space battle with a new republic fleet with you know hera and the ghost involved and all that kind of stuff like um yeah I would love to hear to see like hear Thrawn comment on the fall of the Empire and just kind of see how they how we build their failure and like how he would have avoided all that with the deaths going with the Death Star instead of the Tide Defenders and different things like that. Because that's true. Because we've seen Ezra's reaction to that. We still haven't seen Thrawn's yet. And like how much of that does he know at this point? I'm sure he knows they fell with between like I guess the Night Sisters maybe communicating with Morgan Elsbeth and just has an idea that the Empire did lose and fail but maybe doesn't know the exact details and yeah. to kind of see him learn why and just kind of say to himself like how they could have avoided all that if he was still there and use his knowledge and his tie defenders and just everything that he had planned to do which didn't happen because he wasn't there yeah um yeah yeah it would be really cool to get more of that explored um but yeah seeing thrawn with tie defenders in live action would just that would be awesome too um so yeah, I don't know, man. Lots of cool possibilities. Um, lots of stuff that we're still hoping to see, you know, get resolved in the finale next week, and uh, you know, we'll we'll see how we're feeling after that, and you know, what questions we still have, and what we're most looking forward to going into the future. But um, like I said, this was a definitely a fun episode for sure. And like I said, I enjoyed it more the second time around once sort of my expectations were out of the way for there being more like big story reveals and stuff. But um, it's a really cool episode, you know, in terms of the action and the visuals and the chase scenes and stuff like that. Great character stuff from Ezra and Thrawn. Um, not a lot of big, heavy plot moving type stuff aside from maybe, um, you know, Balin and Shin separating. Um, but still, I think a lot of a lot of stuff in place for, um, you know, a really big and interesting finale. So I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens next week. Um, and I uh, can't wait to jump back on it and talk about it with you guys. I hope Paul's able to be back next week and, uh, you know, we can go for, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be over three hours. Like, it's been a while since we've had all three of us on an episode to talk about this stuff. Um but uh, yeah, you know, we got to make it a barn burner for the season finale. So oh, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm sure that'll be a, a great discussion. But um, before we wrap up, uh, I know you put out the call on social media, as always, asking the listeners what they thought of this one. So uh, what do people have to say? Yeah, I got a variety of responses for this one. So first up is from the Absolute Gamer. He goes, fantastic again. And then T-shirt Tanbla says, loved it, but probably the weakest episode of the season so far. And Don Maria says, I've struggled a bit bonding with the live action version of Rebels. I enjoyed this episode the most of all so far. And then Rich Brockwell says, another top episode. Can't wait to find out what Balin is up to. Going to be a great last week. Then Royal Farm Boy says, um, he goes, as the Star Wars Session Boy says, it's so good. 
And then Berksba says, great penultimate episode. I want to see the other Anakin's recordings now. <laughs> uh, right there with you, Berksba. Hey, maybe that could be for a series. Just the 20 episodes of Anakin's recordings <laughs> of his uh, yeah. teachings for Ahsoka. I'd watch that. Just, like maybe. release those on StarWars.com or something. Yeah, <laughs> those would be great. And then Hey Berto says, loved it. I think this is my favorite of all the series and seasons. So I think he's referring to Ahsoka in general of the series as being his favorite of all the series and seasons, not necessarily this episode in particular. But um, yeah, just great to hear everyone's thoughts on this kind of ranging from enjoying it, but not the best of the series. And then some thinking it is the best of the series. So uh, just good to see a variety of reactions to it but still being a very enjoyable episode that it seemed uh, most people had fun with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you always get to that point towards the end of the season too, where it feels like you're running out of time and it feels like there's still a lot of big story stuff left to tackle. And so, you know, any episode that's just kind of more of a fun episode is like, wait, no, but like I was expecting more. Um, and so sometimes it's hard to kind of get your own expectations out of the way. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of been a lot of reaction that I've heard across the board is like, you know, it's not everybody's favorite episode, but um, still a lot of people enjoying it. Um, yeah, I think for me, like I would say probably the third episode was maybe my least favorite one so far. And like I still have loved all of them. Um but I think I felt similarly about the third episode. And there was a lot in this episode that I felt like was similar to the third episode that I thought this episode did a little bit better in terms of like the space chases and the training stuff on the ship and everything. Like this time we got it with Anakin and we got the space chase through a, a Purgle graveyard and all that stuff. So um, plus, like I said, Ezra and Thrawn at the top of their game. So uh, fun episode for sure. Um, you know, thank you guys as always for chiming in with your thoughts. We love hearing from you. It's been great getting to interact with everybody over the course of this whole show. I feel like we've had some great interactions with you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people just sharing their thoughts with us and, uh, you know, hopefully enjoying the podcast. You know, we love having you guys along, you know, joining in on the conversation with us and just listening to us talk about this stuff as we enjoy talking about such a great series. It's just been awesome. So, um, as always, if you want to interact with us and follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC, uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. Check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com and uh, be sure to leave us a review or a like or a rating on whatever podcast service you're listening to us on. We always appreciate it. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will see you next week for the finale of Ahsoka. Until then, may the Force be with you, and we will see you next time. See you next time, everybody.